0: Hey, thanks for queuing up the podcast. Before we jump into this episode, I just wanted to make you aware of three music marketing resources with an emphasis on one in particular. There's a good chance you're already familiar with my flagship title called the Gorilla Music Marketing Handbook and perhaps even the 5-Minute Music Marketer. And both of those titles are well worth your time But I want to make you aware of another title that doesn't quite get the attention as those two do. And that one is called The Nine Irrefutable Laws of Music Marketing. I'm really proud of this book, and I think you would get a lot out of it. And basically what it covers is what I consider to be nine timeless principles of music marketing. So regardless of the new website, app, or tool, because they're always changing, as you know, these are principles you can apply no matter what. They're timeless. They tap into that eternal connection that people have with music and with music makers. So I think you would get a lot out of this book. It's available on Amazon in at least a dozen countries in both paperback and ebook formats. So go check it out. The nine irrefutable laws of music marketing. And now enjoy the episode. This is the Music Marketing Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the podcast. If you are a singer, a songwriter, a musician, a manager, a publicist, a producer, you're involved in the music business in some way, especially if you're an independent artist... For doing things completely on your own, this is definitely the podcast for you. I recently returned from the 5th annual CD Baby DIY Musician Music Conference. This year it was held in Austin, Texas. And man, oh man, it was a great three days. I'm going to share some stuff with you. In particular, lessons I learned from one of the speakers, a guy named Simon Tam. That's what's on tap with this episode. By the way, I'm your host, Bob Baker. I am the author of The Guerrilla Music Marketing Handbook, The 5-Minute Music Marketer, and The Nine Irrefutable Laws of Music Marketing, and many other resources for musician types like you. And all of those resources and much more are available on my website at thebuzzfactor.com. And all of the books are available on Amazon in about a dozen or so countries around the world. Six of the titles are available in audiobook format on Amazon, Audible, and iBooks. So there's many ways to fill your ears and your mind with good stuff that will empower you. So let's talk about the CD Baby Conference. If you went, you know how awesome it was. If not, just let me share a little bit about it. Just three days of workshops and really cool interactions with attendees. I always love going to reconnect with friends. I often know a lot of the speakers, get to reconnect with friends who maybe I only see once a year or so, and always meeting new people, running into people in the hallways who've been following me for years. That's always really cool to connect with people and meet people face-to-face who maybe I've only had an email relationship or a social media relationship with. This year, the conference featured some pretty big name keynote speakers. One of them was Questlove, who you may know is the drummer for The Roots and probably has had a lot of exposure in recent years because The Roots is the house band for The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. So he's the drummer with the fro that has the hair pick in his hair. And it was really cool listening to him being interviewed about uh, growing up in Philly and how instrumental he and the people he hung out with were in creating kind of a a scene, not only there, but one that spread across the country and the world with some of the artists that he worked with over the years. One of the coolest things for me was seeing uh, Daryl McDaniel, who was the founding member or a founding member of Run DMC. He is the DMC of Run DMC, Daryl McDaniel. And man, this guy was probably the most energizing and interesting speaker that I've ever seen, to be honest. And I've been to a lot of conferences and heard a lot of speakers, but this guy man, was on fire. He just took the microphone and talk solo, paced the stage, told stories. He was funny. He was moving, talked for a good hour and 15 minutes, and he could have got a lot longer. (laughs) I would have enjoyed it just as much. So that was really awesome. But the one speaker I'm going to primarily focus on the rest of this episode is a guy named Simon Tam, who I was familiar with. I'd caught a couple of his uh, TEDx talks over the years, but I'd never seen him live. And he actually spoke twice, once on niche marketing for musicians and then another time on social media hacks, as he called it. But in case you're not aware of who Simon is, I'm just going to read some stuff from his Wikipedia page. So Simon Tam is an Asian-American author, musician, activist, and motivational speaker. He's best known as the bassist and founder of the Asian-American rock band, The Slants. So get this, Simon has, I think, holds the record for doing the most TED Talks. He's done 13 different TED Talks, different topics, different cities, His band, The Slants, for many years had this niche market at, uh, like, anime conventions, which is something they really capitalized on, which is pretty awesome. He's the author of a number of books, including How to Get Sponsorships and Endorsements, Music Business Hacks, The Daily Habits of the Self-Made Musician. He also hosts a podcast called Music Business Hacks, and here's a really cool thing. In, I believe, 2017, he took a court case that was related to trademarking the name of his band, The Slants. Uh, this had gone through the courts, and they were trying to deny him the ability to trademark that name, saying it was a disparaging phrase. But it went all the way to the Supreme Court, and he won a unanimous vote, all related to the First Amendment and so on. And since then, he capitalized on that. And now his band plays at and he speaks at conferences for lawyers and attorneys. So he's just a very smart, savvy, entrepreneurial guy who takes a lot of action. And he's learned how to capitalize on opportunities that are presented to him. I just found his talks incredibly fascinating. I've got a pretty, well, funny or intriguing story about the moment that I met Simon that I'll tell you about at the end of this. But first, I'm going to share with you some of the key points that I took away from his two talks based on the notes that I took. And so here we go. I'm just going to jump into it. In his niche marketing workshop, he talked about the smallest viable audience. You may have heard the term minimal viable product that's been going around for several years, but I think he coined the phrase smallest viable audience. You're probably familiar with this term niche marketing. Your audience is not everyone. How can you find a little slice of the population maybe that isn't being served by a musician or by an artist, and how can you capitalize on that? In his case, he used the example of the slants, and when they were doing the uh, anime conventions. I forgot how it all started because he said he and his bandmates weren't necessarily big anime fans, but I think they ended up playing at one and saw an opportunity and they became like the go-to band for many years to play these types of conferences. And they became well known among the people that attend these things. And then that led to other similar types of conventions. And these places paid them well to bring them in and perform. And so when he talks about the smallest viable audience, yes, you want to niche things down. You want to have a very select, targeted group that you're catering to and that you're not only attempting to attract, but when you know like, who this audience is, then you know where to go, you know where they hang out. But he said, smallest viable audience. So an audience can possibly get too small if you get too niche and it's not viable. And by viable, he means there's enough of a population there where you can make an impact, where you can reach them, or where there's an opportunity to make money, because when you target this group, there are events or associations or ways of reaching them where they will be willing to pay you. So the smallest viable audience. You want to think small, but also, is it enough to support you? And sometimes you don't know until you try, until you explore it for a little bit, and then determine if it is viable. But I thought that was a pretty neat thing to keep in mind. S-V-A, the smallest viable audience. He also had a slide in his PowerPoint presentation. It had three simple words on it. It was gym, G-Y-M, like the place you go work out, plants, and then rain. And here's the way he described them. And he was basically talking about how to approach your career, how to approach your marketing and your activities related to your music career. So he talked about the gym. He said, you don't go to the gym one time and work out for 12 hours, and then you don't go for six months. That's not the way you get in shape. You go for 30 minutes to an hour, maybe two or three times a week, and you do it consistently week after week, month after month, year after year. That's the way you get in shape. That's the most effective way to use a gym. It's also the most effective way to pursue your music career. Consistent action done on a regular basis, repeatedly over time. Have you heard that anywhere before? Probably so. Plants, he was talking about basically taking care of plants, and he was saying you wouldn't like (laughs) pour gallons of water on a plant in one day or one hour, and then not water it again for six months. In the same way with the gym, you water it little by little every few days, give it just enough to keep it fed, keep it growing, keep it nourished, and you do that consistently over time. And so how that relates to the way musicians promote themselves and pursue their careers is when you're really into it, when you got a new CD out, you have a big gig coming out, when you pour it on, and then you're all into the marketing and getting the word out there, and you're all into it. Then that event comes and goes, and then people don't hear from you for six months. Uh, You move on to other things. You get distracted. It happens. Don't beat yourself up if you fall into that category. Just know the best way to pursue a music career or any worthy endeavor is to do it consistently. Give it that little bit of water, that little bit of fertilizer, that nourishment to keep your career and. Your engagement with your fans growing keeps them healthy, it keeps it hydrated, and you do that on a regular basis, week after week, month after month, year after year and that's how your career grows ooh there's a little plant pun for you and then the third word on that slide was rain as in r a i n and basically Simon was talking about uh, you know when there's a thunderstorm there's a certain number of i don't know gallons per inch or per foot that come down. He said if you were to take that body of water that falls from the sky and you spread it out over a wide area, you know, it's just going to be a few drops falling in any given square foot or square yard. And so you barely would even notice that if you got a couple of raindrops on your head. But when that's all concentrated into a small area, it's noticeable. It has an impact. Oh my God, it's raining. I better stay indoors. I need to grab a raincoat. and need to grab an umbrella. Because that's when it makes an impact, when it's compacted into a small area. So how does this relate to marketing? When you take your limited time, your limited money and energy, and you disperse it over a wide area, like when you're trying to appeal to everyone, when you're trying to be on 10 different social media sites, when you're doing umpteen things, you're spread out and you're just going to get drops of rain in all these different areas. So the way to make an impact is to choose what you think is the most potential areas of impact. Who are the groups? What's the, what are the sites? What are the venues, the forums, the media outlets where you're probably going to get the most results and make the most impact and pour all your efforts into those things instead of trying to be everywhere and do everything. And this is tough because you want to be everywhere, you want to do everything, And you just have to make your best guess at where your best use of your time and money is going to be. But make that guess and try to have a huge or a sizable, I should say, impact in a small little area, a niche or a site or wherever or a city. And you'll probably have everyone running for their umbrellas. (laughs) You'll make more fans and make more of an impact with your music. Simon also recommended a resource that I had never heard of before, but it really sounds cool. It's called Agora Social Media Lab, and I'm pretty sure Agora is spelled A-G-O-R-A, Agora Social Media Lab, and it's a site where basically they spend money every month on different social media things, and they test things out because you hear all kinds of things. People recommend all kinds of different things about when you should post on Facebook or how long videos should be and all these do's and don'ts, but they actually test it. They spend thousands of dollars. I don't know if it's for their own promotions or for clients that they serve or what the deal is, but they give you the real results of different campaigns and different efforts and show you the timely results that they're getting and share that with you through their website and through a podcast and all that stuff. So I've only Barely checked that site out, but it looks very promising. So check out Agora Social Media Lab. Another thing Simon talked about when he was uh, relating to uh, communicating with your fans, and I guess this was his social media talk, he said, think of it as a telephone, not a megaphone. I love that. So when you use your telephone to communicate with people, what is it usually? Usually it's one-on-one. Sure, there are conference calls and webinars or whatever that you can log into with your phones, but for the most part, you are speaking one-on-one to an individual, having a personal conversation versus the megaphone when you're speaking to a crowd and, again, kind of spraying your message over a mass audience. And unfortunately, most musicians, when they go to market themselves, use that megaphone approach. You can do that sometimes. That's cool. That's cool but think more and more along the lines of a telephone. You really have to have personal one-on-one communications, or at least one to a few (laughs) types of communications, when you are hosting things and sharing things and interacting online. It's all about engagement and personal relationships with your fans and with other musicians and people in the music biz and all that stuff. But my mantra, of course, has always been focus on fans but whoever it is, think telephone, not megaphone. Okay, here are a couple more phrases I wrote down that really spoke to me. This is a great question to ask yourself when it comes to marketing your music and communicating with fans and other folks in music. And here it is. How can I add value in a way no one else can? This just a really powerful question. So I'll pose it to you. How can you add value to your fans? How can you add value to the venues you play, to the media sources you contact, to the producers, the recording people, engineers that you work with, managers, booking agents, etc., etc.? How can you add value to their lives in a way that no one else can? So don't be generic in your approach. What is it that you bring to the table, that you bring to these people's lives, that because of your unique qualifications of who you are and the experiences that you have and the talents that you possess, you are the only person who can deliver that value? It's a great question to ask. He also made another statement that I just loved. He said, people want to see themselves in your music and your content. That's really cool. That really changes the perspective because quite often when you're promoting yourself or communicating, it's all about you. And here's what I do. And here's what's really cool about me, 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 me. But really what gets people's attention, what will attract people to you is when they see themselves in your music. It's when they see themselves in the things that you're sharing online. When they go, oh, this person is like me. They get me. This speaks to something that I can relate to. So I'm not going to go into too much depth or any depth right now about how to implement that. But just think about that. People want to see themselves in your music and in the content and in the things that you share. And then Simon had a quick tip about using hashtags, which are on most uh, social media sites these days. But in particular, Instagram is very hashtag friendly. You can get some bang for your hashtag. I almost said hashtag but but no, your hashtag buck. So anyway, he recommended if, let's say you use nine hashtags. I think on Instagram, you can actually use up to 30, totally up to you. But he was basically suggesting that a third of the hashtags that you use should be broad categories. They're very popular ones related to that particular post. Make sure they're relevant to the post that you are posting on Instagram The other, another third should be popular ones, but a little further down. If you were familiar with Instagram, when you go to select a hashtag, it will generally tell you how many times that hashtag has been used. And so, in other words, don't post like 10 hashtags that have 6 billion (laughs) uses each. Make some of them the broad topics and hashtags related to that particular post. There should be another third of them that are somewhere in the medium range and then purposely choose about a third of your hashtags that are very nichey. Sometimes this is referred to long tail hashtags. Maybe they're things that are really not as popular, but they're very specific to that particular post, to your particular audience, to the people that you're wanting to attract. And those niche type of less popular hashtags are much more likely to be seen because they'll stay, you know, when you click a live hashtag, it takes you to all the posts on Instagram or Twitter or whatever site you're on that use that hashtag. So it's a way of, you know, drilling down into a specific topic. And when you choose a popular one, you may be at the top of the list for a second (laughs) and then it's gone. But one of these less popular niche ones that are very specific it might stay there for a while and be more likely to be seen by the right people. So, mix up your hashtags from popular, mildly or moderately popular, and then super niche. And that should serve you well. So, here's my quick funny story about meeting Simon. So, I was familiar with him before the CD Baby conference, and then I caught both of his uh, talks at the conference this past week in Austin. And I was kind of fanboying out. I mean, I really admire the guy. And I was sitting with my girlfriend at the end of his second talk saying, man, this guy is just really awesome. I'd love to meet him. But there were already some people like lining up after his talk to to speak with him. It was a short line. But she said, get up there and have your picture taken with him. So, okay, I got up. and, And then I got up to him. So I said, hey, Simon, Bob Baker. This is kind of the typical way that I introduce myself, just say my name. And before I could say anything else, he said... I know you, Bob. I'm a big fan. And uh, it just made my day. He had apparently uh, been following my stuff, and he told me that he recommends my books and resources uh, to a lot of his uh, musician friends. And so that was just a nice moment. Uh, It's always good when someone you respect and admire, you know, I never assume that anybody knows about me, especially people that are like activated on higher levels. They're doing it instead of, you know, seeking out advice. But yeah, he has come across my stuff over the many years I've been doing this. And it was just a really nice, nice shot in the arm. Got a photo with him. And uh, so now I even have a bigger connection with Simon. <laughs> so yeah, maybe I have a man crush. I don't know. Uh, so anyway, I hope you enjoy those lessons from Simon Tam and the CD Baby DIY Musician uh, Conference. Uh, It'll be back in Austin for the 6th annual one next year, I think the last weekend of August in 2020. So if you haven't been to one, I do highly recommend it. It's really awesome. Uh, If you have a way to comment, let me know what you think of any of these lessons. Or if you've been to the conference before, just let me know if there's a way to to, uh, comment. And if not, a great way to stay in touch is to get on the music marketing VIP list. It's really easy to do. I'll even give you some free goodies to practically bribe you (laughs) to get on the email list. Just go to thebuzzfactor.com. That's my music marketing site, thebuzzfactor.com. Look for a little image of the Music Marketing Secrets uh, book in the right-hand column. Click that. It'll take you to a page where you can enter your name and your email, and boom, you're on the list. You'll get all those freebies in a welcome email once you confirm your subscription. And then I'll send you updates two or three times a month with latest, uh, you know, podcast episodes and blog posts and new resources and events that I'm doing. So I hope you enjoy this. I wish you much success with your musical endeavors. Until next time, this is Bob Baker saying so long for now.